0: Good morning. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm here with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. To learn more about us, you can check out our website at commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcast and blog. We would like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. Check out their newsletters, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer to or endorse any specific trading system, strategy, or recommendation. We are not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is April 18th, and it's about 11 a.m. New York time. And welcome, Andy Lebeau. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I I just want to say this is a uh, these podcasts are kind of a continuation of a conversation we started. I'd say September of 1988.
1: I'd say that's probably correct. Yeah. So it's a, it's a long term conversation. <laughs> a
0: long term conversation, it's and
1: through many ups and downs.
0: Many ups and downs, and um, we've got a few more. Uh, today so um let's kick off I'm thinking you know China demand Russia supply OPEC policy let's let's start with China demand um I think it was yesterday uh some stats came out GDP growth for the first quarter in China were uh, plus four and a half percent World Bank has that region uh they're looking at plus five point one percent uh GDP for the year uh, are you seeing that sort of increase in oil imports and oil demand in china anyone what what do you want to say about china
1: yeah definitely seeing an increase in imports and exports actually china in march set a record for crude imports and they also set a record for exports product exports and crude runs i think also uh were Fairly high, which makes a um, you know makes all the sense in the world. Really, Um, it's hard to say, you know, what went into inventory, what went into runs. uh, That that's hard to parse. But you know, what what's interesting if you take the numbers as they are and just look as we do on uh, crude runs here on the crude numbers here in here in the U.S. and try to figure out apparent demand. If you took uh, crude production, plus or minus net imports, less runs, you know, and you try to get and change an in inventory, you get a, a a feel for what the apparent disappearance was domestic. And it wasn't really that great, Jim. If you took those numbers, it was up, you know, maybe 100 or 200,000 barrels a day in the first quarter relative to, uh, relative to a year ago. I suspect it's higher than that, but, you know, the, the actual numbers. Are so far in the first quarter, I don't. I don't think it's a, you know, it's a boomer uh, uh, for first quarter. The big hope is as we move on into the second, third, and fourth quarters. Yeah, it's really important to this market that China comes through with big growth numbers. There's estimates of a growth of a million barrels a day by the IEA we are the crg we we're, we're up 0.7 because we're not so sure first quarter was that great so yeah and you're also having uh comparisons to last year last year was soft in china because of all the the lockdowns but nevertheless china for this market to really have a significant rally in the second half of the year i i know we're going to talk about this china really has to come through with you know significant demand numbers so that uh, in a way you know it, as copper is oftentimes you know for for uh the petroleum market you know spotlight on china no doubt
0: yes and i and i think we'll talk about it in a minute but the uh there's a divergence between the big three uh monthly supply demand estimate groups the eia the iea and the opec so we'll we'll talk about that in in just a, a, a minute, but um, for the for the rest of the world, it's kind of or that, say, the OECD. Most of these groups agree that um, increase in demand for petroleum is kind of flat this year.
1: Well, for OECD, yeah, the you know, you look at U.S., may, maybe we're going to be up a little bit over last year. Europe, the same, maybe a little bit up over last year depending on uh you know, obviously depending on the economy weather had a factor certainly in the in the first quarter in the northern hemisphere because we had a uh milder than normal winter uh in much of the northern hemisphere thank goodness really yeah. um so you know that that was a factor and um you know we'll see as we move on into the second and third and you know, into the balance of the year, you know, wh- whether we go into this uh, long expected recession or or skirt it, but you know, it doesn't look like the OECD demand is going to be that robust. You know, it looks like no growth, at least for for Europe or U.S. Or if there is any, you know, it's really it's really going to be pretty slight. The growth is is really a non OECD. You know, I think China, as I just spoke about. India uh, is probably going to, you know, that could be up 8 to 10%. But no, you know, that sounds great. Wow, up 8 to 10%. But India, even though their population is just past China, India's demand for petroleum is only like around five, you know, a little over 5 million barrels a day, while right. China is expected to be you know, the fourth quarter as much as 16 million barrels a day. Right. So, you know, that's a big, you know, there's a big there's a big discrepancy right there. So a 10% increase, it's still great. I don't think it's going to be 10%. I think it's more, you know, maybe six to 7% for, for India in, in terms of actual demand, not not that great. And then the rest of Asia, if China does come through with big numbers, you know, that's certainly going to help the rest of um south you know the rest of uh southeast asia south asia china and india and the middle east also you know you might you might see uh some decent demand out of the the middle east i, I don't think so much out of the Americas. you know out of, out of south america I, I don't you know i, I don't think we're going to see anything you know may, maybe slight demand increase so you know when we put it all together we're looking for, you know, there's the big three. Right. And then there's all, all the banks. Yes. And then and then there's CRG.
0: Little CRG. Yeah.
1: Little CRG. The and I think that could. Yeah. And I think uh Jim has uh you know seen a lot of these estimates, they've seen every estimate over the last X number of years.
0: Yeah. And I think little CRG does pretty good. You you do you're very good, Andy. And why don't we Why don't we just uh, why don't we go talk about Russia supply on the market and then we'll pull them both together and talk about the uh, the different groups estimates and where you stand. So, um, you know, a lot of stories like Russian products showing up in Saudi Arabia, UAE. And, you know, part of that China refining is from discounted uh, Russian oil. Same with India. What's can you kind (laughs) of sort it out for us?
1: Well. You know, the, the Russian story since the invasion has been you know, the market has, has kind of misfired on um, where they think Russian production is, is gonna be or even what it is. Uh and it, it is it's been difficult to um get those numbers right. You do remember that right after the invasion, like the IEA was saying, well, Russian production is gonna be down, could be down two to three million barrels a day. And You know, last year was it was hardly down at all. You know, in fact, at the end of last year, they were right where they were pre-invasion. You know, which was like you know over 11 million barrels a day, including condensates, uh, 11.1, 11.2. It looks as though I think for the first quarter they they probably reduced production slightly. You know, maybe a couple of hundred thousand barrels a day, maybe. Now uh no Alexander Novak, their um ex-oil minister. I think he may still be oil minister, but Novak was, was talking about Russian production being down five hundred to seven hundred thousand barrels per day this year, crude production. And you know, I, I think that I think that is a chance to being right. You know, that the last OPEC meeting, OPEC plus meeting, they did They did say they were going to be down 500,000 barrels a day over the balance of of 2023. But, you know, I I think we'll see, you know, we'll we'll see. They have been able to, you know, they just had record in March. They just had record seaborne exports despite the embargo, despite the the EU embargo, you know, crude and product exports were like 600,000 barrels a day. Now, could um, could some
0: Russia. of that, sorry, could could some of that been, you know, buying ahead of the embargo?
1: Yeah. Little, little I, that's a good, right, right, definitely. So we're good.
0: You go ahead. Sorry.
1: But, you know, diesel is showing, Russian diesel is showing up in Asia, Latin America, big sum in India, and certainly in the Persian Gulf. The Saudis have been happily taking in discounted Russian. Uh, refined products, taking it into their systems for domestic use and exporting Saudi product uh, and making, you know, that's a great trade for them. Mm -hmm. Now, Russia's going into some maintenance now. So, you know, presumably there'll be less uh, refinery maintenance. So presumably there'll be less product on the market uh over the next you know in april or may uh, you know i'd expect those march numbers will, will still be down but you know the numbers that we had thought russian diesel down like you know 600 barrels a day or something something like that you know that hasn't come to that hasn't come to fruition and mm-hmm. it's really pressured you know it's pressured the diesel market so you you see that showing up in the diesel cracks Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Singapore cracks are really weak. European cracks have come off. US cracks have uh have come off. So again, the classic, the market expected one thing, didn't really expect that Russia would be able to so easily and quickly find you know, find home for their uh for their refined products, but you know, it took them no time at all, really, to get yeah you know, to redo the to redo their uh, distribution map, similar to cr- crude took a little bit longer. So in any event, so, the numbers but- that we're using for Russia is like 10 and a half million barrels a day production for the balance of the, the rest of the year, which would be down like, you know, 0.5, 0.6. But like OPEC is using 10 million barrels a day for OPEC production. Which for I'm sorry for uh, Russian, Russian production, which is you know I I don't see that. I don't think they're going to be down over a million barrels a day.
0: And how are they doing with the uh, sixty dollar price? It, we're, we're hearing they're doing, stories. Do
1: a great job because it's not you know it is over sixty dollars. It is over. But, yeah, the West has really you know you, you haven't really seen the West heavily policing the the price you know the price cap or a lot of the you know a lot of the embargo and um, you know we'll we'll see how hard you know the the EU and the Biden administration is going to come down on uh, Russia if it you know on on I guess it would be India or China or some of the other end users you know that 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 remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, the U.S. has uh, an an inflation issue and in an election yeah, next right. year. So they their ha- their interest, our interest, is uh, to have oil on the market and not not be you know not show up in the uh, CPI. Right. You
1: know, at, or or at the you know or at the pumps now. At you know, pumps. Unlike last year, unlike last year, this is not an election year. So right, you know, there's a little less pressure. On the uh on the Biden administration but, um, but they're always running they're always running yeah
0: yeah, yeah. so it, I mean it's it, it's interesting also um that that you know talk about Saudi Arabia they the the Chinese broker this um, uh what do you call peace deal and uh between Iraq I'm sorry Iran and the Saudis and um you know it's perhaps going to help with the uh, fighting in Yemen and um, which is what the U S wants to see. And then, and then the Saudis go ahead and raise or or cut production and raise prices, which the Chinese can't be happy with. I mean, that's, uh, you know, so I, unless maybe they are getting contracts to build uh, the new city that the, right. The the leaders of Saudi are investing in
1: right you know you you never know right you know you don't know what what goes on under the table
0: yeah it's a it's a very complicated game i mean if you think about trying to restrict russian oil off the off the market you don't you don't want russian oil off the market you just don't want them to get a good price because the whole world economy
1: will pay if you right will. right so yeah very Which is probably why the policing of the cap has been pretty gent pretty non-existent actually
0: yeah, you know, I, was, I I think I mentioned that to you a while ago. Is why wouldn't the U.S. look the other way uh, if Iran started producing more oil and products on the, put, putting them on the market? And um, are they you seeing increases in in Iranian oil and products in the world? Uh, steady,
1: steady, steady at two point five. And uh, you know, I think that's... the Russian, the Russians carefully in in. Um, preparation for the embargo you know the russians definitely carefully studied the iranian tactics on you know how to how to get around the embargo uh including you know what ports they could use ship to ship transfers turning off
0: turning off the gps turning
1: off the gps yeah they used all the uh all the iranian tricks and um yeah it it, and it's been successful for them
0: yeah and they yeah, Russians also have probably have more willing buyers, you know, India, and China, and others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. very good. Um, so, why don't we just quickly move to OPEC policy? What What do you want, um, or Saudi policy, whatever you want to call yeah. it? What, what What What's going on? What do, you, what
1: do we want well, to talk? Well, yeah, I I think there've been a lot of um, you know different views on uh, OPEC seeing. You know the the rest of the year uh, that demand could be soft, and that's why they cut production. Well, in reality, you know, if that's the case, they obviously didn't read their own research because the OPEC report has demand booming right. in, in the second in the second half of the year. So I, I tend to I tend to poo poo that. I don't I don't think that that was a uh, factor at all.
0: Well, they did do um, it after our banking our banking crisis, which. You know, people, the the people who are expecting uh, recessions later this year were were voices were louder after that. So it's it's still possible, you know, and it's it's not like these big three OPEC, IA, EIA have done a good job forecasting demand. So, you know, if right, you know, right. So I hear I
1: hear Saudi has, you know, their own information and um great information because of Aramco, right and they they see what their customers are doing for you know so i think that was um yeah maybe there was a little bit of that but um it still looked like even you know the the eia is looking for builds but even the most pessimistic forecasts were were looking for draws in the second half you know or unchanged on, on inventory but i think the point you made that that um the banking crisis and, and price got down to 64 on on wti which was you know it's completely unacceptable to to the saudis but i think you know to me the the cut was just it was revenue related just price related i think that so far this year brent up in the first up to the first quarter when they made the cut you know, Brent had averaged about eighty-one dollars, and, and WTI I think was 76 dollars. So, you know, to me, you know, the Saudis were looking to protect at least eighty-dollar Brent, and really wanted, you know, really would like ninety to one hundred-dollar Brent. Um, and I, and I and what I think happened is that it was it was more of a a revenue need you know, they have big infrastructure needs. You mentioned the new city that they're building and, you know, some subsidy needs as well. So, you know, to me, the cut was more about money than anything else, Jim.
0: Yeah. Okay. We'll go, we'll, we'll go with that. Definitely. It, it's
1: just, uh, Saudis,
0: you, you know, we've been following them for a long time now and, um, they're, they're, their policy i mean that's that was a big surprise to the market you know that uh, people people were talking about them being like the fed of the oil markets and and um you know i i thought it was interesting that they are reacting quickly to a situation that really hasn't uh, of weak demand that really hasn't quite unfolded yet whereas right. whereas our our fed seems to react you know at least you know when 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 uh interest rates are really low they take a long time you know to react to things and then they overreact it's, right. so, so i I was, I was i have to say i was a little impressed by by that move okay so we have these three very what we say difficult to predict entities china demand russian supply opec policy let's let's look at what came out this month with the, um, EIA, uh, supply demand estimates, IEA and OPEC. And we talked, we already talked about how they diverge, but you know, it's, it, it seems to be mainly in the demand numbers. So, so can you kind of, oh, yeah. and, and also it shows up in the second half with stock builds and stock draws. Can you just kind of summarize what their, what the differences are?
1: Yeah. If we stock? look at, you know, if you look at, what we just talked about, OPEC, and what they what they're looking for, they have they have demand up like two point three million barrels a day this year, but a huge increase in the in the second half of, let's see, they've got a hundred, they have about one 102.5 billion one hundred and two point five million barrels a day, which is a growth of uh, you know of over. over Two, I think it's two and a half for the second half so th- so they have a big big increase uh in the second half I mean real really big numbers I'm not sure you know again the driver is the, they've got China demand as a uh, very strong uh Asian demand as, as as strong a little bit better slightly better oecd demand but you know those numbers are are eye-opening to say the to say the least and uh as i just said if the saudis were really using those numbers there's no way that they would cut production you know because it really you're looking at the need for more like the call on opec is uh much higher than what they're going to produce if they given the um you know given their last you know their last their last agreement so and opec uh the opec OMR has a draw a, t- a draw of over two million barrels a day uh, for the second half of the year. Again, that's enormous. And if we do draw two million barrels a day, we're going to get really tight. I mean, if you look at inventories, there's still um, you know there's still about seventy to eighty million barrels uh, below normal. So th- th- it's not like they're really tight right now. But you take two million barrels a day uh, off the market and, um, you know, things will get unbelievably tight. So but again, again, you know, that's based on huge demand. And I might add that they, as I I think I mentioned earlier, they have Russian production way down. So, you know, they're singing a, a really bullish tune. Of course, let's let's not forget who writes this. You know, it is the OPEC, you know. It's it is the OPEC report, so. Yes. Um, now, but go ahead. Yeah. No, know. I was going to move on to the IEA because they they okay. also have eye opening demand in the second half. Yes. Um. And you know their their draws based on, you know where where we think OPEC is going to produce and where, non you know not their own non OPEC, increase. The, they, their draws are about one and a half million barrels a day for the second half, which is a lot. You know, another big draw for mm-hmm. for second half.
0: So, and and the EIA has
1: uh, now the EIA has built builds. They have builds across the board. And why did why why is it such a difference for OPEC and the and the EIA uh, IEA? Is they have demand running at, you know, like a, I would say, two million barrels. And nah, that's not two million. It's one. It's it's a, a million and a half barrels a day lower than OPEC and the IEA in the second half. Mm. So they're way more conservative.
0: But all all three are showing increasing demand environment. So I guess what what I feel is missing in this market. Is uh, we're not seeing a a lot of bullish play. So we so you know I watch the option market and you can you know follow the uh, paper flow and get a sense of what people are thinking about uh, prices away from today's price. So if you see you know ten thousand hundred dollar calls trade, usually that size is put on initiated by uh, buyers. Um, and maybe it's uh, for December of the next year. So we saw that kind of paper flow before the war, like well before the war. And, and the and the sort of the fundamental view was um, we're not investing in oil fields anymore. So next year uh, we're not going to have growth in, in supply, but we're going to have growth in demand. So I guess my question is now: I I don't see that. You know, they got a bonus from the war driving prices up. The people that were expecting high prices. And then after the war, we saw a lot of, or not after the war. After the prices started coming down, uh, post-war when Russian oil was not restricted as much as everybody thought, we we did see bullish paper flow. I don't I don't see it. I haven't seen it, in, you know, in a big way, in a while. And so, so my question to you is, what what from these scenarios, what does the market have built into it? like the IEA the, the IEA scenario the OPEC scenario which are close or the EIA scenario
1: or the let's get to the CRG scenario I'm sorry of course the Come CRG on. Sc- yeah the <laughs> CRG scenario we right. have mod, we have and, and we think you know I, like I said you know we're, we're pretty good at this despite the fact we don't have the big staffs of uh yeah you know, <laughs> these other agencies <laughs> Uh, we're looking for a much more modest draw in the second half Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, maybe, maybe a million barrels a day, maybe slightly lower than that. Uh, and I think our numbers are, you know, pretty, you know, I think they're good. And I, I think if that's the case, I I think the market hasn't quite built that all in, but, you know, I, I think the market. If our numbers are are right, then you know I think we're looking at a grind, you know a grind higher from these le- from these levels. I mean, it looks like the market's going to back and fill a little bit now, mm-hmm. but I, I think ultimately, you know, if if we're right, you know we'll we'll see a grind higher. If OPEC and the IEA numbers are right, the market's going to 100 bo- dollars, so it's not built in. You know, I don't, I don't think it's built in it at all. You know, if we're drawing 2 million barrels a day, we're going higher.
0: So I don't want to, I'm not, we don't put out trading recommendations. This is not a trading re- recommendation, but if you're believing the IEA and the, the um, OPEC scenario, you're buying this market. And if you're the EIA CRG, you're, you know, selling strangles. Yeah. Right. I so you're lo-
1: i think that's right i think those are the right you, you just position yourself for kind of a, you know a grind a grind oh i think it's going to be up uh certainly there, there's a lot of scenarios to play out not the least of which is going to be you know where's the global economy but yeah selling i think selling strangles is probably <laughs> not that i would do it but <laughs> that's probably the play
0: yeah, it's, 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 um, it's surprising me because we, you know, we, we have um seen this, the scenario for these two, the, the divergence has been around for a while. And, um you know, we, we had, um as I mentioned, we were, I, I didn't see the bullish paper flow. You know, it, it, there is, I'm not saying it's zero. I'm just saying it's not overwhelmingly bearish, but um you know, coming out of Sierra, it, it, I, I, they're. I know producers are often bullish, <laughs> they're optimistic on prices, but it seemed like it was a, an extreme be, uh, bullish uh, meeting. If you talk to people who were there, you know people were very optimistic about prices down the road. And I'm thinking, I still don't see where are the plays. And and I guess what I was missing was that maybe maybe producers hadn't hedged at that point. And um, you know when when we had the uh, banking. Uh, crisis uh, and, and prices came down. There was uh, one day, three days after the low was made. So this would this would have been on March twenty third, where uh, put volume was actually higher than call volume, and and that's like uh, you know man bites dog. It's it's not something that happens in it, 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 it ha- in the recent history. It's not something that that's been happening a lot. So I made I made a note of that. That okay. So we we bounced a little bit off the lows. And produce, some producers are probably saying, you know what, we don't, we're not hedged, <laughs> so let's put some bearish plays on the cover. And then, you know, now it's kind of a balance. You're getting the same amount of volume on both sides, puts calls, open interest increases is pretty much the same. And um, there's still some uh, sort of legacy trades on. So if you look at the big open interest in WTI, it's, it's the uh, June... Of this year, the the uh, 9, 119, 120, and 121 calls all have a, a pretty good chunk of open interest. Same thing in in Brent. The the big numbers are the uh, June 149, 150 calls. That's that's uh, big chunks. Um, but you know, again, that those those were put on. I don't I don't remember exactly when, but it, it's not it's not recent. So 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 in in implied volatility. Uh, is around 33 percent which is you know maybe a little lower now than long-term average because recent recent you know 2020 had record high 33 used to be the average it might be like 34 now because so we had some recent high uh volatility and, and and so there does seem to be a grind ahead market despite all the uncertainties on um, people, Forecasting supply and demand going forward and the uncertainties of how the war in Ukraine will play out eventually. Um, we're getting we're getting back to average vol, which kind of tells me that your grind ideas is kind of in the market.
1: Yeah, that that makes that makes a lot of sense, Jim. Um, yeah. Um and that's what you know, that's what it looks like. Of course, as we know, there are you know there's always event risk risk and geopolitical risk i you know we were we were pretty confident in our trading range over the you know for the last few months and uh you know the banking crisis just took took seventy dollars right out you know and uh you know, we got down to 64 and the flow was just incredible of uh of um long liquidation and uh you know actually increasing the and short's increasing the market and then on the way up that that was that was the shorts were covered i mean i don't i don't think i've re- i've ever seen swings like that in the commitment of traders report
0: yeah you know, that was, that was pretty it amazing was yeah,
1: yeah. It was amazing
0: did, did you think that um the price action from the opec uh uh decision was impressive or did you think it should have gone should have been higher than that
1: no, I thought it was impressive. I thought it was pretty impressive. I mean, now, you know, get it, there was a big gap, gap up, and uh, then it can, cons- you know, we've consolidated these last couple of weeks, and that, now it looks like some of the recent length is is exiting the market. And as I said, maybe to use a, a classic uh, commodity term, you know, back and fill. Uh yes. Maybe maybe we end up filling that gap, and you know, again, just. Th- just doing a grind um, so, so so back when
0: you were the uh, only analyst covering heating oil were you a technician <laughs> or a fundamental <laughs> guy because <laughs> you because you slip in a few technical like fill, we got to fill a gap you know it's, well
1: it's... you know jim <laughs> you know you know my game i talked a really good fundamental or i talked the fundamental story but you know i was i was studying the charts yeah, charts have so to. So that work. was oh, I was a closet technician. Um, and I got called a few times. Called out a few times. Yeah, I More than think... a few times over over the years.
0: Well, I think if, if there's one data point that's pure, it's the price. Those those yeah. things, You know, people actually bought and sold at this. You no, know, as we always say, there's a lot of information in that price, and that that's why I think a lot of what what was really good. What I like about your analysis is that you you kind of plug in, you know what's what's in the market already, or you know this the, the, like you you're see, you're seeing the Chinese oil being uh, refined and exported, and it's showing up in diesel cracks, declining Think, things like you know that where the fundamental stuff that you're hearing about it is actually showing. up. Yeah, it makes
1: up. sense. It yeah. actually sometimes the markets make sense. Sometimes they make sense. Yes. <laughs> So front uh, front to back crude
0: curve makes sense or doesn't make sense? Is well,
1: it... you know it's slipping into contango now. Yeah, so, the front, the front you know and the Brent the Brent market is getting a, a little bit softer now. Brent, I could I could see, you know, there are some refinery maintenances that are going to be going on over the next month or two. China's is ta- also taking a maintenance, so you sort of you know you could sort of see that. Also these and the, the, also you know, it's it's unclear whether when the barrels are going to flow out of uh, you know through Iraq because that's been down 450 a day uh, on the dispute. They keep saying any any day, and um, you, you know, I don't know if the market's pricing pricing that in or or not. But the the curves are the curves are softening. Dees Red Dees was fifty cents a month. A couple of um, just a few days ago, you know, looking for the market to get tighter and tighter. And that's given, you know, that's given like a dollar back, it's back to like 40 cents a month, something like that. And again, that may be just, you know, that may be just flow and profit taking, you know, to me, it does look like globally, things will tighten, whether they get crazy tight, like the OPEC and the IEA says, you know, as I said, I don't, I don't, I don't see that, but you you know, you would think that the backwardation is gonna hold.
0: Right. And um the we talked about the diesel cracks uh coming off for a while now, even even before the uh OPEC uh announced that news cuts. Um how what are you thinking about gas cracks? They're they're holding up.
1: Yeah, they're really holding up and gasoline is a little skinny going into the driving season here on on inventories the last one just came out and we're at like 223.5 million barrels um and that's 12 million behind the the five-year average and day supply is like a half a day below the five-year average the other thing demand in the first quarters was way better than I thought it was going to be now the, the, those aren't you know those are with the weeklies so you mm-hmm. don't know where whether that's right or, or not but you know US gasoline demand looked it looked okay but right. it looked it was it was up like I think it was 200,000 barrels a day which is miraculous so that that at least is something you know there's there's something out there that gasoline demand may not be totally dead
0: and you are seeing critical mass and evs when you when you do your gasoline demand
1: yeah it looks like oh it's definitely a factor yeah 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 it's definitely becoming a factor and And i think obviously with you know with some of these new um regulations that the Biden administration is putting out you know they're they're hoping that what was it by 2032 two-thirds of the sales are going to be evs Either 2030 or 2032 right now only six only six percent are evs so there's there's certainly they think there's going to be a big you know there's certainly room for ev ev demand to increase exponentially wow right now i think it's having it's definitely having a factor on the the apparent demand numbers
0: yes now this is this is a conversation i had with somebody and I, i i don't know the person really well, and I don't know how well informed they were, but they were talking about possibility of a, a Rins market for hydrogen, and I and I was thinking to myself, uh, God, mm, that's I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy, did it?
1: They,
0: <laughs> they, they learned nothing.
1: <laughs> they load nothing
0: yeah that anyway. was
1: one bad product but that's yeah. a, that's, that's an aside yeah uh, so
0: well anyway that's yeah that's an aside and uh what do we miss andy what do you want to talk about that i think talk- we
1: have yeah i think we, we've hit a lot i mean diesel we talked about the cracks coming off you know it's interesting that they're coming off here in the u.s because diesel stocks distillate stocks are pretty low Right. Um, you know that they're 112 million, and the mm-hmm. five-year average is like 134 million. Day mm-hmm. supplies is five days. So, you know, maybe, it,
0: maybe seasonally, is it is diesel strong right now with uh, planting? Usually,
1: is planting. Yeah, you know that you're uh, an old that guy. Uh, USDA definitely. USDA. we really. out to help, help
0: with the Very WASDA good. reports, World Agricultural <laughs> Supply, <laughs> Supply Demand Estimates
1: right you're a, you're a uh, alumnus a usda alumnus by the way so.
0: just one more aside when i when i joined the usda in 1981 uh one of the significant numbers that we were forecasting was the soviet union uh wheat demand number because it was just you know uh the the great grain robbery where the uh The Russians came in and bought a whole bunch of wheat very quietly in the U.S., only to see uh, prices spike after it came out that they bought so much. Um, This this was the World Agricultural Outlook Board was set up, and that's that's where I where I was an assistant grains analyst. So we were put. So it wasn't until I don't know five. I stopped after I left the USDA. I didn't follow the grain markets that closely because I eventually got into energy. And it wasn't until about maybe five, six years ago where I I saw that Russia and Ukraine were huge exporters of wheat. And I go, whoa! When did when did that happen? You know. So yeah, it was a big. These markets
1: change, right, Andy? This the, yeah, they're, they're constantly changing. They're so. co- thank thank goodness. Yes. Well, this, one, this one's always changing. So yep. diesel. Yeah, I mean, look, look, the the Planet Acreage was pretty bullish, and in fact uh at least for diesel demand not for pri- not for ags so i'm just saying for diesel demand so you know maybe 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 the, maybe the let's we'll keep watching the, the diesel market obviously because there are also maintenances coming on so diesel could make a you know could make a nice uh comeback it is interesting that if you if you looked at midwest diesel prices naturally they spiked like right after that planet acreage came out yes and now they're getting hammered
0: yeah. <laughs> so there's plenty of supply around or is, as needed. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Interesting. So um what are we keeping an eye on? We we want to look at uh, how are we gonna know when well I guess we'll look at diesel exports from China. How are we gonna know when China starts demand starts using the demand starts surging versus them buying uh crude oil to run in well. export?
1: Yeah, I think uh, again we'll keep looking at the the import numbers which were heavy for you know heavy heavy for March. Maybe there'll be less exports uh available because domestic demand is uh is stronger. You know, we'll watch uh the Singapore market uh to get it to get a handle on um you know what what's going on in in South Asia and China. So, and that's, you know, like the, the, as I, as both of us have said, you know, that that's a that's big. That's big for this market.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks, Andy. We'll uh, pick it up next month.
1: Okay, and just um, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, I'm at a labo a l e b o w at commodityresearchgroup.com. And you could probably, you can definitely find both Jim Colburn and myself on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. As I mentioned, I do, um, I'll I'll try to post something when I, as, as I see it, you know, if it's interesting to me, I post it on LinkedIn and I have a, you know, I, I, I interact with people more, more there than anywhere else. Okay. See you next month, Andy.
1: Okay, Jeff. Thanks.